So, the lectionary text this morning, Philippians 1. We find Paul in prison, didn't know what his future was going to hold. He was struggling between these two things. He knew that at any minute uh, his life could be taken because he knew that the Romans didn't value um, life very highly. And yet he had this longing, he had this stirring in him that I want to be about the work that I've been given to do. I've been given this wonderful message to take uh, to the Gentiles of the world. And so he he was yearning for that. I don't know about you, but I think most of us would be freaking out in this moment. I don't think we would be very uh, thoughtful in our words. I don't think we'd be thinking about writing letters to other people. I think we would be freaking out if we knew that at any moment, you know, every little bump in the night could be them coming for me. But that is not what he was focused on. He was not, his primary focus was not about his safety. He had a whole different focus. It was about us being able to take this message, this this new body of Christ that we were experiencing here. And he was confident that something at the resurrection had changed, that the world was now a new place and that new things were happening, regardless of whether he was going to be in the world physically at the time or not. So let's look at what he was primarily focused on here. Start back in verse 27. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel, and are in no way intimidated by your opponents. For them, this is the evidence of their destruction, but for your salvation, and this is God's doing. For he has graciously granted you the privilege, not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well, since you are having the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So Paul's most important message was that this new body of Christ would represent the gospel well. First, by living the gospel well, living it out in front of others so that they might see it accurately, but most importantly, that we would show this by staying in unity that we would stand side by side in one spirit or in the same huddle on the same team. So how are we doing with this unity thing? How are we doing as the church? So the church started out pretty strong. For about a 1,000 years, there was one church. You've heard us say then about about after a 1,000 years, it split into two for approximately another 500 Uh, maybe a third joined in there. And then for the last 500 years, I think the most recent uh, study that we've seen is that it is now split into 43 to 44,000 Protestant denominations. Not Protestant churches, (laughs) Protestant denominations, (laughs) groups of churches. So I don't know how we're doing with this thing. Um, Now, we can't fix that entire fracturing of the church this morning. There's nothing we can say or do that would fix that. But I wonder if there's something that we can do that brings the body of Christ back together. That is a very, very powerful powerful thing that we're missing. Uh, Janice and I had this really cool opportunity this last week. We were in the upper Hudson Valley in New York. We'd never been there before actually just a few miles north of where um, Pastor Mark and Danielle are from. I'm amazed that you came here. That's all I can say, okay? 
Um, you go into upper New York, and it looks like, the whole thing looks like a state park. I mean, it's just amazing, these little little towns in the midst of this. And we were at a spiritual retreat center outside of this little t- this quaint little town, had one of the oldest inns um, in America, established in 1776, um, way before they even thought about Oklahoma. And so we were at this spiritual retreat center, sitting high above the Hudson River, woke up every morning looking at this beautiful vista. And we had this opportunity to be with several people. We were, were going through, for the next nine months or so, going through spiritual director's training. Now, a few years ago, I would have never known what that word meant, spiritual director. Uh, realizing that it's different than counseling. Uh, it's another different kind of way that, that we minister in the church. And so we're going through that, and we were with a, a group of seasoned backgrounds, a wide variety of seasoned backgrounds. I use that word seasoned just because they were all old like we are. So we had a pastor from Canada that works with the Salvation Army. Uh, we had a few priests in the Episcopal Church uh, up in that region. We had two retired uh, Presbyterian pastors a handful of men that were associated with the Catholic Brethren in the Bronx in New York City. We had a psychologist, had a teacher, had an Irish nun, several sisters from the monastery that we were training at, all there for one common reason. How do we help individuals hear the voice of Jesus in their life? Now, with this kind of eclectic group, we could have easily gotten focused on all of our differences because I'm sure they are many in regards to how we fully understand and live out our faith. But the cool thing is, the subject never came up. We were there for one purpose, to hear Christ in our own life and to help others hear Christ in their life. To be able to hear this voice, whether things are going really well or whether things are going not so well at all. And there was something about this um, combination of people coming together with this common purpose where we just simply listened to each other's stories and were trying to sense what the Spirit was saying to us in the midst of that. So the next few minutes, I want to talk to you a little bit about listening and what I think maybe listening means, Uh, a different kind of way of looking at listening than maybe we've ever thought. So, do you have those times where you meet somebody and you're talking to them, and in about 30 seconds, they're staring over your right shoulder, and you can tell they are not listening to you any longer? You might as well stop talking, uh, because they are not. You can talk and talk and talk, but they are in another world. They're listening to another voice. They're on another planet. Or maybe you've had times where you've shared something important uh, with a friend or somebody, and their immediate response is, oh, you're going to be fine. You're going to get through this. It'll be okay. Or their response is, oh, that reminds me of what I went through, and they start going off on their whole story. Don't you want to just smack them sometimes? Because um, they are not paying attention. You don't feel that they are in this with you. So I, I want to talk about why this is, a, this is so off-putting. Why do those moments cause so much distress in us? I think it's because we're missing what I want to call a sacramental moment. I think we miss these moments over and over and over again. So what do I mean by sacrament? What does that word actually mean? Well, the proper definition is sacraments are visible rites seen as signs and efficacious, okay, it's in the dictionary, effective or productive channels 
of the grace of God to all those who receive them with the proper disposition. I simply call it a heaven meets earth experience. I think that oftentimes we think that the position of heaven and earth are way separated. Uh, N.T. Wright talks about this idea that maybe it's a little bit more like chicken wire, that the difference between heaven and earth might be a little bit more like chicken wire, that there's that we're closer to heaven at moments than we realize we are. So, a sacrament is making the invisible visible, bringing heaven to earth. It's this encounter with God. That's why we've come to believe that the Eucharist, the communion time, is as sacramental as more than we ever thought it was. I was raised where we spent, you know, we would observe it once a month, and it was more like just kind of remembering what he did for us. As I look back on it now, it's kind of like we were just tipping our hat to Jesus. Wow, way to go, Jesus. You were awesome. Um, Thank you for doing that. We've come to believe that it's a much more powerful thing than that. It's a heaven meets earth encounter. I wonder if we really believe that, that we might not come to this table a little differently. This idea that we know that we have the Spirit of God that lives within us, I wonder if we've taken that a bit too for granted. And we don't recognize the power of these moments. And, and we've individualized this so much. Well, I've got Jesus in me, so what else do I need? But the Scripture consistently takes us back to the idea that we are put together in community, that something happens in community, that something happens at these moments that's beyond what can happen even in our own individual life. So... Now, Jesus is what's called the primordial, big word, which simply means existing from the beginning of time, sacrament. 1 John 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you now. John 14, 9, Jesus answered, Don't you know, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father? So Jesus is this sacrament. He, uh, because he incarnates God, he simply embodies God in human form. This idea of incarnate and sacrament are the same thing here. An invisible reality finds a visible form. That's that which is transcendent, that which is beyond physical form becomes matter. Now, That is the Christian story, right? I mean, that's not too terribly hard for us to believe and wrap our arms around because that is the story that we follow. But what if it has further implications than that? So the second part of this, I want to talk about you. Think about when you had your first experience with God. Most of it, most of us, it came in an encounter. We had an encounter with a person. Somebody, we heard somebody share the story with us. Somebody listened to our story and responded to that story. There was something that happened in that moment. Someone showed us the visible represent was a a visible representative of an invisible reality to us. My person was Augusta Hartung. What a name! She is. I was in a, a church, a First Baptist Church of Crawfordsville, Indiana. I still remember the smell of the basement. Her office was under the stairway going down in the, in the basement. She was a missionary, took Congo the most of her life. 
Um, she was probably in her 70s at the time that she was um, sitting with me. Uh, this was 50 years ago as an 11-year-old. I remember sitting down in her office, and I was fascinated with God at that point in my life. And she let me talk. She let me ask questions that an 11-year-old would ask. I don't necessarily remember all the answers. I wasn't taking notes. Um, I, didn't, ha- I did, it didn't establish my theological framework for the rest of my life, but something happened in that moment. Christ became real to me. I followed that in baptism soon after that, and she met with me week after week after week for a while, just me. Wasn't even in class. Remember that moment. For Janice, it was Chris Bully. Um, they're usually in the first service sitting right back here uh, on the back row. Um, Janice was raised in Topeka, Kansas, and she was part of uh, um, campus, campus life. And uh, she was not raised in a, in a home of faith, and, and, but she was coming to understand a little bit more what faith looked like. And, and she had the, a discussion with Chris, and I think it was at a Denny's, right? And they had this discussion, and that is the moment that she believes that she stepped into faith for the very first time. We've talked to Chris about that. She has no, she doesn't even recall the moment. She doesn't remember anything that she even said uh, at that moment. Um, Surprise, surprise to us, when we joined our churches together six years ago, and we walked into our first service with a combined service, and they were sitting here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, (laughs) and have been in in, in the church ever since. And so there was some kind of connection. There was some kind of heaven meets earth happening. Most of you, many of you, it might have been sharing a difficulty that you're going through in life, and you talked to somebody and they prayed for you is when this began to happen. So what is happening in those moments? Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So you're made in the image of God. In your creation, God's plan was to put flesh on a part of himself and show himself to the world through you. Remember, a sacrament is making the invisible visible. John 2, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it up in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. 1 Corinthians 12, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. So after the resurrection, the church, the individuals in the church become sacramental. They make the invisible visible. The invisible God becomes visible. So when Augusta Hartung was sitting with me as an 11-year-old, she was making the invisible visible. When Chris Boley was sitting with Janice in Denny's, she was there when heaven and earth were crashing together. I've always been amazed at what happens in a first session when somebody comes to me in my counseling office. They're coming oftentimes sharing something they've never shared with any other person before usually a pretty difficult um, conversation. They're not sure how I'm going to respond. I spend most of the session listening. Um, I don't usually hardly say anything, maybe until the end, just listening to their story. 
I'm amazed at what I've heard back from people that, is, that happened in that first session before I shared wonderful insights with them, <laughs> before I helped them understand how they were going to walk into a whole new future. I hadn't said a word, but something happened in that moment. I believe it's so amazing because it's sacramental. It's not what I said, or it was something about heaven and me and earth coming together. Now, um, might be able to believe, might be able to believe that that would happen in a setting like that, where it's coming together for a purpose, and we're we're um, you know connecting um, with a with a clarified agenda and asking God in those moments. But what if God's dream for the church? is for those kinds of conversations to break out on a Sunday morning throughout this building or on a Monday morning or a Saturday at the park where these kinds of conversations, these heaven meets earth kind of connections would happen in our midst. Could that be partly what it means in Matthew 18 for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with, with them. But what if I don't know what to say to them, you might say? I don't know how to respond. Um, What if they say something that I don't know the answer for? What if it's not about anything that you say? What if it's about what God is saying? But something about your presence connects them with heaven. Or um, I've got enough stuff of my own. Isn't that what we have pastors for? An interesting study several years ago. Um, they did a study with pastors, with uh, doc- physicians, professional counselors, and they said if you were in need, if you uh, had an issue, issue going on in your life and you needed to go talk to somebody, what kind of person would you be looking for? Who would you go to? Now, they were expecting to hear things like, well, I would expect that they would have this level of education, that they would have this license um, that they would operate under, that they've had this many years of experience, that they would come from this kind of a, a framework. You know what? They didn't hear any of that. What they heard from all of these folks could be put under three um, conditions or, or quali- qualities. The first one was unconditional acceptance that whatever it is that I shared with them would not freak them out, that they would all, not all of a sudden step into a place of where they were, you know, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they're going through this, that they, their love for me would not change from the moment I shared what I shared um, to the end of my sharing. The second is genuine, that they wouldn't just be playing a role, that this isn't just what they're supposed to do, that they would show up, their real human self would be there, And the third is empathy, that they would have the ability to step in my shoes for a minute and feel what it feels like to be me. It was those three things that were the consistent things that these folks shared. I call these people that can sit with the person in this way safe people, Uh, people that are confidential, that don't feel like they have to fix anything. They're just there with the person. These are the qualities that everyone, every single person has. 
if we're willing to take the time and stop and listen deeply to pay attention and to care for. Now remember, the person that you're listening to has the God of the universe in them. So why is it we think we need to say something? (laughs) They just haven't been able to connect with heaven. There's something about your presence. I I don't suggest that I understand all of it, why it works that way. Something about your presence makes that connection happen. Now, the first challenge I think we have is um, we simply don't take the time. Now, I'm pretty good at this when somebody comes to my office. Matter of fact, when we were doing our little triads in the group sessions this last week, uh, it was just real natural for me to listen. I had some of the observers say, gosh, I understand why you, you do this professionally. I'm um, pretty good at it there. But I tell you what, if you catch me and I'm busy, I am horrible at this. I've got a task. Some of you have probably caught me out here, you know, in the lobby, saw me walking past. I've got something I've got to do and thought, golly, he doesn't even hardly know I'm here. Uh, or if I'm in the, in the middle of a task and somebody, um, even one of the office staff or another counselor just walks in my office, I feel irritated. <laughs> but what if I'm passing up sacramental moments? What if, what if I'm missing those things? So are we willing, first of all, to take the time? Second challenge is, but I've got way too many issues in my own life to help somebody with theirs. Because matter of fact, if somebody really knew me, they would know that I'm not really reflecting the nature of God real well. So what do I have to offer? How can I possibly help? My thought about that is good. You're the perfect person because the whole idea behind this is showing up with your real self, being present. It's not that you have greater wisdom. It's not that you have greater maturity. It's not any of that. It's that you're willing to show up with your real self. So let's go back to Paul. Okay, Paul, one of the strongest leaders you could ever come across, powerful, not intimidated by anything. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. Paul goes on later in 2 Corinthians 12. He talks about this thorn in the flesh, this thing that came at him um, because he came to understand that he was uh, probably, if he was just left to his own devices, he would think he really didn't need God, that he was really bright and he could do this on his own. But something about this, we'll never know what Paul's thorn was. Uh, People conjecture about this all the time. I think there's a perfectly good reason why we were never told what this was because all of us would have said, well, at least I don't have that thing Paul has. Um, But all of us can put our stuff in there, can't we? I am very aware of my thorns, but... The response in 2 Corinthians 12 there, God and Paul communicating, uh, says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, a strange, strange statement. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
What a contradiction of statements. Again, I'm very aware of the thorns in my own life. Those are the very things that keep me on my knees every single day. As a matter of fact, I've come to call them my blessed thorns. I think they're actually a blessing in my life. Uh, It keeps me from just darting off and thinking I've got this. It keeps me dependent, which is the healthiest, strongest place that we can live as humans. God's economy is quite baffling at times. Instinctively, we think of working from our strengths. But the best work seems to be when we come to another with empty hands, passing on something we don't have. This is the sacramental way. So what am I asking you to consider? I'm simply asking you to be open, to listen to people that pass your way. Be a companion. Don't be intimidated by it. Listen without judgment. Listen for meaning rather than just information. Love and simply be yourself. You don't need to fix anything. Remember, you listening somehow connects them to heaven. Now, what am I not asking you to do? Don't stop people at the door and ask them to tell you their story. If you start doing that, we'll smack you, okay? Um, This is as people come by your path. I'm not asking you to take responsibility for other people's life. It's not what this is about. I'm not asking you to remove their problems or their pain. I'm not asking you to offer greater wisdom, experience, and holiness. I'm not asking you to make other people different people. What if God is simply waiting for each of us to be available, to simply not pull back, to move forward? I know what it's like to be an introvert. I'm an introvert, and I've had to do a lot of extrovert stuff all of my life. I just don't know why, but I I do. But I'm still an introvert. I'm, I'm always a little bit shy about connecting. But what if we're missing opportunities? And sometimes even extroverts, you know, you might go from one to two to 20 people in your conversations. What if we, those need to kind of stop a little bit and listen to see, is this to be one of those moments? Final couple thoughts. Carl Jung, the great German Christian psychiatrist, said, everyone longs to tell his or her story to someone and have it understood and accepted. Henry Nouwen, a great theologian, says, listening is much more than allowing another to talk by waiting for a chance to respond. Listening is paying full attention to others and welcoming them into our very beings. The beauty of listening is that those who are listened to start feeling accepted, start taking their words more seriously and discovering their own true selves. Listening is a form of spiritual hospitality by which you invite strangers to become friends, to get to know their inner selves more fully, and even to dare to be silent with you. So friends this morning, let's take a moment and let's be silent and let's just let this settle in. Father, we're so thankful that you are speaking to us all the time. 
They're speaking to all of, all of us here. But we so somehow miss it. We oftentimes aren't listening. And Lord, if we are the ones that are not actually helping another listen and hear you because we're not willing to step into that relationship, but we pray that you'll help us to see these times more clearly, that something will draw us towards one another, that we can experience these heaven-crashing-to-earth kind of experiences more often. Lord, this is not something we realize that you want to just happen every once in a while in our life, that it's something that you long to be with us and to connect with us. And so we trust you in these moments. We pray that we will hear, we will see, and we'll, and we'll step towards one another. In Jesus' name.